2: episode about cookbook fundraisers. And as I was thinking about this episode, I kept being so excited about the topic and I was racking my brain as to where this excitement was coming from. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that in elementary school, my school PTA created a cookbook fundraiser. And not only did my family submit a recipe, But they solicited artwork, they being the PTA, solicited artwork from all the children. And I remember my artwork being featured and being so excited. I felt like I was famous. You know, I had this book with my artwork in it, and it was really, really exciting. I don't remember exactly what the artwork was, although I do recall the book having a lot of images of cookies with legs. So I may have been one of those cookies with legs. (laughs) Either way, I was very proud. And my family used that cookbook a lot. I remember cooking dinner recipes, lots of sweets around the holidays, and that cookbook just being a part of the fabric of our family for many years to come. And so when we had the opportunity to connect with our guest today, who I'll introduce in one second, to talk about cookbooks, we just jumped on it because of the fond memories and the holidays coming up. We just thought it was such a great topic. So today we're going to be talking with Christina Gibson. She's the Director of Operations at Create My Cookbook. The technology has come a long way since the photocopying days of the cookbooks of my youth. And now you can actually do this online and probably look even more professional and make your children feel like they're famous with their cookies with legs through different types of technology. So we'll be talking a little bit about that today. Christina, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you so much. Yes, it was so exciting when you reached out to us. I love how you said that your cookbook was the fabric of your family because I think as a core of what we do every day is that's what we hope for. Is we hope that we are creating a product that becomes a part of the, you know family's fabric. Cooking is such a big part of our community. It's such a big part of our family and traditions. That getting to kind of preserve that in a cookbook and pass that down through generation, and just enjoy that. It's such an honor. So I came on a cookbook about two and a half years ago. As director of operations, we're a small team, but we're constantly innovating, have new things going on. So I get to help with the day to day of making sure that you know these cookbooks are printed and, and are in the hands of for the family. So I, I really do enjoy that. But a little bit of my background is I've worked with in, in communities a lot. Um, I worked with the Mobile International Festival, which had a huge component when it comes to food. <laughs> um, and I worked with uh, the International Recipe Committee some, and then it kind of led me here, which I've thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Thanks. Talking about cookbooks, can you kind of give us a just a breakdown of what it takes to actually make one of these happen?
1: Right. So the biggest thing is you just need recipes. <laughs> um, as long as you have recipes, you have a cookbook. You can always, you know, expand it out and have family stories and photos but recipes are really the core of it. Even if it's just a handful of recipes, putting them in a book to preserve those, you know, kitchen traditions and cultures, they're so important. One of the things that Brian, our owner, he's always saying, and I really do appreciate this, is we don't care where you do a cookbook necessarily, but do it. Like it is so important to preserve those family memories. And so that's kind of our goal is to make it easier, but however you choose to do it, like having your family traditions especially from the kitchen it's just so important.
0: So Deb is super excited about this, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing this at our school sometime soon. Yeah. So <laughs> as we prepare to go into it, what does the timeline look like? What needs to be done? How are the books delivered? Like what are the logistics of, of running this?
1: Right. So the great thing about a cookbook project, especially as a fundraiser, is you can make it as lean or as complex and beautiful as you want. The simpler side of things is you create an account. With, if you're creating a book with us, it's create an account. You get a, a shareable link to collect recipes from your students and teachers and community. And from that, once they're added to your account and everyone's contributed their recipes, there's a function where you can batch add the recipes to your book. We offer themes so that you could pick a theme that has a pre-designed cover and font. And then you're ready to print. And that's great, and it's still a beautiful cookbook, but we also have people who like to take it a step further, and they want the custom cover, which I, and I love it. It's funny that you talked about images. My favorite thing is when they solicit artwork from the students. Those books are amazing. The creativity that kids have is puts you in awe. I mean, the way they view food is so fun. And so, you know, from having kids, and we've had cookbooks where the teachers have solicited the kids to write the recipes. We have seen recipes that call for six tubes of glitter and unicorn whiskers. Um, (laughs) So the creativity is there. So you can make it as complicated or as lean as you'd like. I would give yourself on the lean side, uh, you know, to create the recipes, you want to give everybody a week. at least two weeks to get all your recipes in. That gives everyone the opportunity to reach out to grandma if they're wanting to get grandma to uh, get a recipe or dig out that family recipe box because they need to do that as well and follow up with them. From that, you know, I'd give yourself another... Honestly, you can design the cookbook in as little as a a day. So I'd give yourself a day for that. And then we really strongly suggest ordering a proof. And and the reason for this is sometimes, especially when you are scanning in photos or scanning in images... The color on your screen and the color in the book look a little bit different. So you may want to tweak that. So ordering a proof and then from there you can order, start with 100 copies and then you can always come back and order more. And once you get to print, you know, it takes a a few weeks to print and then depending on the shipping method, you can get it turned around just a few weeks.
2: It's making me excited about holiday cookbooks. I'm oh. I'm going to go and ask my dad if he still has this book. I mean, it's like on my to-do list because oh I want to see it.
1: <laughs> Please, if you do, I would love a picture just just internally see that.
2: Yeah, I will. I will absolutely send you a picture of cookies with legs, whether I get it from my cookbook or whether I have my kids draw it, or maybe I'll draw it. Maybe oh I'll my get creative. That would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, in terms of the recipes... It sounds like you can get really creative. But what are the like basic bullet points that you tell people like, remember to do this when you solicit recipes?
1: Find something true to you and your family. Like this is something that your family's really enjoyed. And don't be afraid to share the simpler recipes. I think some people in their head think that it it needs to be this complex recipe that, that, you know, and some of the the best family recipes are, are the more simpler ones with fewer ingredients. And then there are some where they are very tedious. So I think just keeping in mind that sharing a recipe that your family loves because if your family loves it, more than likely the community is going to love it.
2: That makes a lot of sense. What's the ideal number of recipes in a cookbook? Like what do you see in terms of the range?
1: Yeah, so that's one thing. We see books with, you know, 10, 15 recipes and we see books with 200 recipes. I personally find that like a nice in-between of like 30 to... 50 recipes is great. Some of the bigger books are, are wonderful. So one thing about the bigger books is typically you have a bigger audience who's contributed. So it's a little bit bigger, but you're going to have more people want to buy that book. <laughs> um, so th- that's always great. And the one thing about when, when someone's contributed from a fundraising aspect is if they've contributed a recipe, more than likely they're going to want to purchase a copy of that book. Because now, like you said, they feel famous. Their yeah. recipe's been published in a book of course you need a copy. Actually, you need 10 because you've got to give one to grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles because your kids artwork and your recipes in there. So you need 10 copies.
2: Absolutely. And what a great holiday gift, especially if it's a family recipe, to your point.
1: Yes, yes, it is a great gift. And it's so thoughtful. It's one of those gifts that when you open it up, one, you'll actually use it because they're recipes that you're actually going to use. And two, when you see like, your baby girl a baby boy's artwork or recipe you no know, name in there you just feel so proud you want it on it's a recipe that deserves a place on the counter and if you're like me I don't want a lot of stuff on my counter but I have my family recipe book right there because I'm just that proud of it
0: you can't see all the random pieces of paper that I have up on all the walls around here <laughs> so having something that we could actually put that looks pretty that goes in a bookshelf I can totally see it going a long way
2: yeah yeah what are some of the most
0: popular recipes that you see in cookbooks?
1: Oh, my goodness. Cookies. People love cookies. <laughs> and it's funny. Before I started with Create Methods, my favorite, like, treat is a cookie. Like, you're just a good cookie is – actually, I had one for breakfast this morning. With
2: <laughs> nice. I like um, it.
1: And then when you you know, – was five months old. Yeah. That's <laughs> how I Go live. for it. Um. So – those cookie recipes are great and I love the thumbprint cookies I feel like every family has their version of one and to see those go through um, and then you have a lot of the traditional home meals especially holiday meals things that are they might not be cooked all the time but you know you're cooking them at Thanksgiving you know you're cooking them at Christmas and you see a lot of families have those in there as well
2: yeah I feel like every family has a good stuffing recipe that they've perfected or yeah. a casserole of a some pie. sort or a pie yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, very much so, and it is interesting. It's funny you say stuffing because you guys are from a different region, but I'm from the South and we say dressing. And so I, lo- but I love it because you know we've all relocated and moved, and and so when you do a community cookbook, the one really cool thing that you will see is you're going to see a wide variety of what you call something, one thing, and another family calls another. <laughs> And so you're like, oh, I know, this isn't, this is dressing, not stuffing, but I know this. Let me try this recipe.
2: (laughs) I appreciate that you translated because I was sitting there racking my brain. I was like, I know there's another word that I'm not using there. So thank you. (laughs) See, these cookbooks can be an educational tool as well for regional dialects.
0: Yeah, they're so far. I mean, (laughs) you can add context of where the recipe comes from and kind of tracing history. Yeah,
2: You really can. My, in my husband's
1: family, he he comes from like a Cajun descent. And in our, in our cookbook for our family, there are a lot of Cajun recipes. And that's just such a big part of his life. And so it's nice that our daughter, who's not necessarily going to, she's not on the Gulf where we grew up. And she's not going to get to meet her family from the bayou. But she will have those recipes when she gets older to see kind of what he grew up with.
2: That's really neat. What about if I think about the format of the book? I'm now like looking up at our bookshelves. uh, What do you recommend there? What do you see most commonly? Pictures, black and white, color, any tips to make it look great?
1: I think the one thing to note, you don't have to have pictures to make a cookbook fantastic. But having pictures adds that just extra touch of just uh, beauty and fun. So we do see a lot of black and white that are just recipes and lists of ingredients and some notes and directions, which is great. Um, but I do love it when you see a recipe with a paired with, especially when it's paired with a photo of maybe we ate this at so-and-so's wedding. And then you have a picture of so-and-so's wedding that to kind of like bring back that memory and tie it to that recipe. So that's my favorite thing. Um, as far as organizing, we've seen some really, we, one thing we actually do is we don't have predetermined. Categories, and the reason for this is we want people to organize their book how it works for them and their family. And so the way I do it is I'm like appetizers, breakfast, desserts, sides. But then I've seen like if you're in a community and you have a lot of it's very diverse community, I've seen cookbooks where you know it's like Latin food, European food, South America, like. The way you break it down, the way you organize it, it, there's just so many different ways. And so it's actually part of building that cookbook, I think, is how are you going to organize it and being mindful of like uh, how that's going to kind of tell the story.
0: It sounds amazing. And I mean, the whole process, like when you really break it down, it's so much more than just a fundraiser or just a cookbook. There's a lot of interaction and, you know, levels that you can tie into your community and get to know people. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So as I'm sure you come across a lot of schools who use this as strictly a fundraiser, right? They're trying to figure out how they can best use this. This is a good product. How can we make money off of this? Can you give us a little bit about the logistics of what does it cost? If I decide I want to do this for my school, I know it's probably going to be cheaper if I have no photos versus black and white versus color. Like what are the logistics and kind of timing of, of making this happen and, and kind of that outcome of driving it from a fundraising perspective?
1: Absolutely. So as far as um, I, I do know, I love that, you know, that yes, it's great for a fundraiser. I do want to note one other thing is teachers love to use this also as a tool for the classroom when they're teaching recipes or like teaching uh you know how to write a recipe or how-to so that some, sometimes they will it's a fundraiser that gets turned into a class project as well and we'd love to see that as far as pricing we do have a calculator that's super easy people can go to and I'll be sure to share the link with you guys and they can enter the number of recipes in your write the black and white is cheaper than the color um so typically what we will see is if you have a book with say 100 recipes and, you know, you could account for about 80 of those pages being black and white. And I would say, you know, 20 of the pages being to be a colored page, you know, like your section dividers, you're going to have a story page. Actually, maybe not even that. We'll say 10. So with that, you know, you're looking if you ordered 100 books at about 676 a book. And then, of course, the other thing is shipping. You do have to pay for shipping as well. And that can vary depending on the shipping method. But typically, most people sell these books for about $20. And I think once you get done with shipping, you're looking at really the cost of no more of about 10. So you're making about $10 a book as far as profit.
2: That is a pretty good fundraiser, especially if you oh, have yeah, a absolutely. lot of participants and then are selling to those participants, their families, et cetera.
1: Absolutely. So another opportunity, are we, we do have e-cookbooks as well. And so with the e-cookbook, you can reach out to our support for a quote there, but those offer a really big opportunity for a large profit margin.
2: And probably also a shorter turnaround time, I would imagine. Oh,
1: yes. books can be done in you know, a day. <laughs> we got the support and we are, you're ready to go. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: It, it's a great idea for those who are cooking mainly online. It does not offer the, the shelf benefit we were talking about earlier, but it is a great option for schools as well.
1: It really is. It's great, for, especially for distance. You have know, grandma and grandpa who aren't there but I'm with you. I really do just love a printed cookbook.
0: What are some of the
2: most creative ideas you've seen?
1: Oh, I love when the PCA start in the classroom for recipes and you'll see where they've taken pictures of the kids and they've had the kids create the recipe and oh, they're so messy, but they're so fun. (laughs) You have just like pizza dough everywhere and all these little kids running around and now that recipe has been shared with the classroom. Again, having the kids write their own recipes with no rules like write a recipe what what do you think would be a good recipe and and the things they come up with are just they're so fun as well as having the kids draw recipes i I just love when you see like you said your cookie has legs but in your head at the time who knows what you're coming up with but it's so much fun (laughs) yeah
2: yeah no they are very creative and it's funny uh, this week Unrelated to this, because our youngest daughter has no idea that we're doing this topic, she, for her writing assignment, wrote how to make cheese bread. And so she's not quite done yet, but it will be really interesting to see how that recipe turns out. I saw the list of ingredients, which includes oh. cheese and in a spatula.
1: We'll see where we yeah. go from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we have some flour at some point. But you know what? It's hard to bread. Yeah. However, you wants to do it.
2: <laughs> yeah. The spatula seemed really key yesterday. <laughs> uh, it, it is. Of course. Perfect <laughs> what is your favorite recipe? Oh, my favorite recipe. I feel like that changes with
1: like every season of life. Like I have a new dish recipe that I love. Right now, we've been making ratatouille a lot. Um, I love squash and zucchini. And growing up, we always had a garden and so i ate so much squash and zucchini. <laughs> but um and now living in atlanta um you know we go to the grocery store like normal people <laughs> uh we don't go to the garden <laughs> uh but i think it, i'm reliving my childhood through ratatouille right now like the the fresh vegetables and, and the goat cheese on top and i'm a little sad that we're coming at you know we're we're now in fall and those vegetables are going out of season so i'm I will probably have a new favorite here in the next few weeks as it starts to cool down here in Atlanta, but Ratatouille has actually been one for the last few months.
2: (laughs) Sounds delicious. I tend to have a sweet tooth, so I usually like the cookie recipes, but there is one recipe. We got cookbooks for our wedding many years ago now, but there is one recipe for asparagus, which I always cooked like very plainly before, but it's called asparagus mimosa. And it's asparagus with all this other stuff on top, like breadcrumbs and soft-boiled eggs and shallots. And it is just, it's so delicious. The asparagus is almost secondary, even though it's, you know, it's (laughs) called asparagus mimosa. But that's a recipe I just love and make over and over and over.
0: Yeah, I'm a breakfast person myself. So anything that's eggs and hash browns or toast, that's kind of where I landed. It's a lot of times breakfast at nighttime here.
1: I was about to ask you, do you guys do breakfast for dinner? Like that's a Wednesday night. You're just so tired. You're like, we're having breakfast for dinner. Like Bust out some pancakes.
2: Yep, absolutely. <laughs> some eggs. Oh, yeah. Breakfast anytime, I feel like, is good to go in our house. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been very informative. I think some of the top takeaways for me and for our listeners are soliciting images from students can be really fun. And soliciting recipes from as many people as you can, but certainly with a backstory and with some family element infused can really heighten the cookbook's appeal and people then it becomes a fabric of their family. And then order a proof. That's always a great way to double check. I don't know if you have any kind of last tips that you wanted to share.
1: Uh, definitely I think ordering the proof getting the whole community involved is a a big thing and just have fun with it you know I, I think not taking it too serious I think those are the most important parts
2: well thank you Christina we really appreciate your insights today we'll have more information and a link on our info with this episode so that people can check out how to make their own cookbooks and how to run a fundraiser
0: Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you guys. Make
0: sure to visit our website at themultipurposeroom.school and subscribe to this show. If you like the topics on the show, we share additional resources on our company
1: blog at k12clothing.com and click on blog. Thanks to Squad Locker
0: for making this show possible. And we'll see you next week in the Multipurpose Room.